Welcome to the Back Row Fantasy Show with your hosts, Jeremy Barker, Aaron Arms, and Chad Middle. Welcome everybody back to the Back Row Fantasy Show. I'm Bark. To my left is Arms. What is up? And to my right is not Niddle. It is actually Neil Tool. It's not close. not not even that. It's it's Neil. It's Neil Crabtree, friend of the show. Hello. Hello, he says. He's filling in for Niddle tonight. Uh Niddle is uh he's not with us. He's dadding it. He's dadding it. He's uh, you know, watching SpongeBob, a uh, little Hey Arnold. A little bit of Rugrats and they still Aubrey. have hair on them. No. Well, you can find it. I mean, what is it on like TV Land now? Probably little all real monsters. Oh. Yeah, I knew so. Little yeah. Howie Mandel, baby. Neil, you got Dude, any it, Nickelodeon shows to throw in? You, just so you know, that's Howie Mandel is like the I don't know the Will Smith of our childhood. Bobby's World was awesome. Like yeah, he was Bobby's World. <laughs> yeah. He was all real monsters. He what he did something else that um, he was like a character on a. TGIF type show. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. He had the hair. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, had well, I don't remember that at all. Howie Mandel with the curly hair. Yeah. The, the Jer- it looked like one big Jerry curl. Yeah. It, it, looked, it literally looked like a black Brillo pad just, <laughs> just glued around his head, spray painted black. Yeah, it did. And I can't remember what that is. We're going to have to get some research. Um, yeah. Get, get someone in our research department. Where's our that? side mm-hmm. producer at? Uh, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. we, we have none. Hashtag jobs for John. Yeah. <laughs> Ferris, come on. So anyways, so we've got Neil with us. Neil is a, uh, he does a little podcasting himself. Is that is that correct, Neil? Uh, yes, I delve into Magic the Gathering podcast. Yeah. And he's going to start his own podcast soon. And of course, you know, the back row will be shouting that one out. And Neil also has, I don't know, decade, decade and a half of fantasy football experience as well. Absolutely. He he's was one there. of the one of the OGs uh, in, in my First Dynasty League. I don't actually. do well, but I try. He was there, though. He, yeah, he was there. I have I have played fantasy football with the same group of fellows for literally a decade and a half. It's all good, though. It's all good in the hood. It is. We enjoy it. We're going to go straight in. We'll find something to be humorous about on the way. But we're going to jump right into tight ends, uh, the ones that were drafted in 2018. Wait, hold on, hold on. Really? <laughs> What? We're going to go straight there and just ignore C.J. Anderson getting signed to the uh, Panthers? There we go. There's my boy knowing his stuff. <laughs> okay. Y'all see, the way y'all see the way he's looking at me so, right so, now. So, I think it is news. <laughs> oh, I, I guarantee it's news. Twitter's showing C.J. Anderson no love. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't like C.J. Anderson either. Neither do I. But someone thought enough to pay the damn man. And someone named Christian McCaffrey can't be that excited about C.J. Anderson coming to Carolina. I kind of like it. I think he actually needs it. He can't be the every down guy. I so think, you think it'll be good for right. Christian McCaffrey? I think it helps McCaffrey stock. I good way to look at it. I will tell you that I I tend to agree. If you remember a few uh, probably a dozen shows ago or so, I said that the best fit for uh, Mark Ingram would have been going to Carolina to basically make uh, CMC Alvin Kamara. But I think fantasy owners were thinking that Christian McCaffrey was one going to be the PPR beast that he is. He is. He's still going to I think people mistakenly thought that he was going to start running up the middle a lot more and become a true three-down workhorse, and that's not really Christian McCaffrey's game. I I think he was drafted high enough to where it should be, 
but we it's not. The NFC South is a whole different animal from the Pac-12. Yeah. Let's just call a spade a spade here. <laughs> They're, they don't exactly play uh, any sort of defense out there. And generally speaking, they might put pass through one or two stud defensive linemen a year, but it's not like going, playing in the SEC. You know, he's not going to break tackles at this level up the gut. There's far too many talented uh, running, or excuse me, linebackers, defensive tackles, defensive ends, and safeties that are not going to let him get free. And regardless, I think he's going to be pretty stellar because somebody's going to catch the ball. And it's going to be him. I still, see, I still see him putting up Danny Woodhead numbers from back in the day. I agree. I agree too. I but I also think he was drafted at a spot to where. I think you have to make him a three-down back at some point to justify his draft capital. Maybe Carolina doesn't care right. about draft capital, but most teams seemingly do. Uh, but C.J. Anderson coming in, obviously C.J. Anderson's going to get 10 to 15 carries a game. And, and there's no doubt about it, C.J. Anderson is their goal line back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, easily. I mean, unless they still have Mike Tolbert, which I'm <laughs> un- unaware of. Right. I'm sure they do. He's on like a geriatric contract or something. Yeah, I have I, – that's good research, too, because I can't remember if Tolbert is still there or not. I'm like 90% sure he is. Well, to be fair, even last year when he had Stewart there, Stewart wasn't getting it done either. Yeah, but <laughs> but C.J. Anderson's a better version of Jonathan Stewart than oh, Jonathan, easily, Jonathan yeah. Stewart is. You know? Yeah, and he's younger. Yeah. But granted, he will go down with an injury or, you know, with cramps <laughs> That's the truth. or something. But he's also not five foot two and 127 pounds. No. CMC is. No, he's like 5'10", what, a buck 85, a buck 90? Something like that. Uh, he's he's not a big guy, and if I'm worried about someone getting injured, it's going to be the slighter frame gentleman versus the uh, the fullback looking monster that C.J. Anderson is. And Tolbert is a free agent. That's what I thought. I thought I thought they cut him. As of right now, yeah. As of right now, Tolbert will be catching you know one to two balls a week out of the Carolina backfield <laughs> at some point. But bottom line, Christian McCaffrey, I think you can downgrade him a little bit. Uh, I think if you drafted him in PPR to be a PPR stud, I think he's still going to be a PPR stud. I don't think you have anything to worry about. But if you're counting on him as a locked and loaded running back one, volume dependent, no. No, no, I don't think think that's Christian McCaffrey. I think all of his volume's in the passing game anyway. Most of it, which which doesn't mean he's a safe weak start in anything other than PPR. Once he gets the high teens and points, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, yeah, he matched Leonard Fournette as far as like in PPR. almost point for point in PPR last right. season. So That's all we asked for. That's what you expect, really. Yeah. Now, I don't necessarily expect him to approach ten touchdowns. No, but eighty to ninety catches. I was going to say eighty catches is well within the range. But if you if you take, I mean, very realistically, let's look at the numbers that he's probably going to put up. Nobody's going to be disappointed if he puts up six hundred rushing yards, because he's going to put up eight hundred receiving yards. That's a 1,400-yard season. It is. Toss in six touchdowns, and you have a top-10 fantasy running back. That's where I think that fantasy owners have gone awry a little bit. I think they were expecting uh, something in the tune of 750 rushing yards to go along along with that borderline 1,000 you know, yard passing. But that's unrealistic. You're, you're asking for— It is, but, I mean, they didn't draft anyone. Right. So what's that tell— Like, that gives all those CMC owners hope. That he is going to be there everything. There They're another, one and only. There is another dark side to it, though, because I think DJ Moore kind of does what he does also as far as the type of matchups he – Well, I said the same thing about uh, about oh, the kid from high State. Samuel. Yeah, Curtis Samuel. 
Well, DJ Moore does a, a similar roles as far as all the slot and everything too, which McCaffrey so, does the same. So thing. it's almost like they have three of the same player, right? Exactly. And I'm talking like literally a step difference in every measurable, uh, uh, an inch difference in height. I mean, it's it's ridiculous whenever you look at the, all three of them athletically. You know, c- comparing. Yeah. Yeah. But so. C.J. Anderson, what uh, what is his ceiling in Carolina? I'm I'm going to put him at 500 yards. See, I disagree. I think he's going. I think he's going to be the actual carry the ball type guy. I, I mean, think so. I think I think Christian McCaffrey gets some more opportunities. I just don't expect a huge jump. I expect more, but and I expect you know I I still think they'll use Cameron Artis Payne a little. I'm not talking fantasy relevance. I'm talking like Cameron Artis Payne running for three fifty. Right. CJ running for five. I see four to six out of CJ, possibly four to six touchdowns also. Yeah, so don't go nuts picking him up in leagues. I mean, right. if he's free, yeah, grab him yeah. if he's free. But uh, bottom yep. line, Christian McCaffrey, not much of a downgrade in PPR, but you can downgrade him safely everywhere else. Correct. Correct. Now, Arms, do I have your permission <laughs> to jump into the well, tight ends? Well, there, there's a rumor that Navarro Bowman could come back to the Raiders. I haven't seen any signings on that, and that could be yeah. – that could have uh, – I think it would have a bigger fantasy impact for Bowman, obviously – then it's going to have a uh, a hurt on anyone else on that team. I figure where they didn't land Roquan Smith, that, that yeah, they could, uh, you know, Bowman could end up right back there. So that that's uh, that makes a lot of now sense. Now they they did sign what to hear Whitehead. Why did Whitehead? Why did... in Oakland? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, why do I always say his name wrong? I think it's Whited, but it's spelled Whitehead. Anyhow, um, they did. They did sign him, but I I still think Bowman ends up being the man if he does resign. They'll probably kick uh, Whitehead to the outside. Yeah, Whitehead can play anywhere back there, so uh, you could probably throw him at safety and he'd be just fine. Yeah, definitely, you might be able to throw him at corner. He would be an upgrade over at least one corner we have. Yes, <laughs> I don't know about all that, but he's he's a good football player, that's for sure. All right, so let's proceed. All right, now that I have Arms's full permission. Uh, to proceed with this podcast, let's uh, let's go in the order that they were drafted. Should we play any kind of NFL music? Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Okay. Well, at least you won't hear no Rocky Top tonight. Niddle's not no, here. Definitely that's, not. That's yeah. that's spectacular. There will be no Rocky Top music. <laughs> All right. Hayden Hurst was drafted first. First tight end in the draft. Twenty eighth overall to a tight end needy team in Baltimore. Great spot. It was for what three rounds, <laughs> and then they drafted another one. Oh yeah, I, and I'm not worried about Mark Andrews. We'll get to him no, no. eventually, I'm sure. But I, I, I'm not worried about Mark Andrews. But what I am worried about is that Hayden Hurst will be retired in about four years because he's not young. Well, let's hope he's already mature, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Good head on his shoulders, ready to go. Because I know watching him a lot, the South Carolina stud. I mean, he's he's definitely a good athlete. Definitely was productive in South Carolina, but there was rumblings halfway through the season that Mark Andrews was the number one tight end in this year's draft right. class. Right, definitely. So was. there's they did this a few years ago, and we got a lot of hype. Everyone was a Crockett, Gilmore, and Max Williams. Oh yeah. And then then nothing. Like it's like just please replace Todd Heap. Just please, <laughs> just find somebody to do it, or even Dennis Pitta for God's sakes. Yeah, replace Dennis Pitta. They, they signed whenever Dennis Pitta was drafted. They had drafted somebody else. I want to say Ed Dixon or something like that. 
Sounds legit. I, I, I'm 99% sure that's actually whenever. Like, they draft two at a time. Right. And if you have two tight ends, unless you're the Patriots, you have no tight ends. Can that be, be a part of Flacco's issues, though, that he hasn't had a reliable tight end? Some of it. But they keep addressing it. Do he you likes think, to throw to him. I mean, you, at what point do we say that we've we've now drafted six tight ends <laughs> and all of them have flamed yeah, out? They're all terrible. I, I mean, the only people who are, who are remotely well, relevant is Ben Watson and Todd Heap. Dennis Pitta. Pitta was okay, but he just kept getting injured. Well, you know. When he when he played, he was good though. I, I do agree. Swaps. I do agree there. I do like Hayden Hurst. I've got him ranked as my number two rookie tight end on the board behind the next guy we'll talk about. But uh, I think you can draft him safely. I think he is a safe late second round uh, rookie dynasty selection. I think he's safe as far as uh, getting on the field and possibly producing immediately. I think he's safe with Mark Andrews there even. I think Hayden Hurst is the better receiving option, and I think they drafted him in the first because he was a great receiving option. Uh, so for me, he's the second-ranked rookie tight end in this draft. I would have easily took him if I had the opportunity in the late second. I don't see you going wrong there at all. And if, he's, if he's still in a, there in the third round, he got snagging just for value. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I did. I think I, I think I grabbed him in an early third in one draft, and I was really happy to get right. it. I, I mean, I, I would have liked him a lot better. I would have liked him probably as the, you know, one-two if they didn't draft another tight end. That's just my opinion on it. Not scared of Andrews for some reason. I'm He's not a sure. Starter. It's just, just the guy to compete for the job. That's all it's going to be to me. Why, why, why spend the, the draft capital on him? For the same reason the next uh, tight end on the list, their team – my Miami Dolphins drafted two tight ends as well. They did. I mean, it's it's uh, it's more common than you think. We just tend to overlook it. They a lot of teams draft the receiving guy and the blocking guy. Not saying Mark Andrews is purely a blocker, uh, but I think he's going to be used more as a blocker than Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is going to be used a lot like a wideout. Yeah, he's got the size and the speed. Yes, he's a gamecock baby. Yeah. Okay. Arms is arms is so excited. Well, where do you got him? Where's your rookie ranking on him, and where would you take him in dynasty drafts? I mean, I don't think you're going to make a terrible mistake if you're in the second. You half. You have my of, permission to tell in me. the second half of the second round, but I, I feel like I, there's some IDP guys I'm willing to target in the first half above him, um, and there's probably some other tight ends I'd probably like to take a shot on above him. I will take one guy over him, and that's it. And that guy's name is probably Mike Jacecki. Yes, dude's the, phenomenal. The next guy drafted, and he went to. He couldn't have went to much better of a situation because Ryan Tannehill's not a deep ball thrower. Ryan Tannehill used Charles Clay extremely efficiently in their time together. Uh, Ryan Tannehill hasn't had a wide receiver worth of crap since Charles Clay, and now he gets the most athletic tight end in the draft, a guy that I think is super safe. Uh, mm-hmm. I, bust potential is at a minimal level, and his ceiling is outrageous. Mike Jacecki was a fantastic pickup by Miami. He's my number one tight end overall, and I would draft him in the late first round. I haven't, and I've passed mm-hmm. on him, but I would if I needed a tight end badly. I, I don't feel like I needed a tight end in my league, so I, I did let him slip past me. Depending on how needy I am, I would take him in the late first. I can't pass on a guy. He has like a what forty plus inch vertical, forty one inch vertical. He's got hands like frying pan, size wise like frying pans. He but, dropped two balls but, in his college but, career. But I'm two. talking size. I know, I know. I'm but just adding to th- it. They're they're like they're both catcher's mitts. Mm-hmm. They just we got that tape measure. We might have to it, measure it, measure Neil's hands. If now it that touches his hand, 
he is going to catch it. He's not going to blow past anybody. He never does. He might get a step on a linebacker. He's a, he's a 4'6 guy or something yeah. like that on the field. But, like, I mean. But he can he, jump. He's got hops. Yeah. He's, he's He can get open. I'm and, excited. And with, um, and with Tannehill, I think he's going to love the fact that he actually ran a lot of RPO, run pass option in, in college, too, which might be kind of like a Charles Clay role also. So, I like that a lot. I do, too. That's why he's my number one. And I uh, I don't have anybody close to him. I think Hayden Hurst even is a distant second uh, in this draft compared but to Jacecki. Come from being a Pats fan, then I'll see any of my guys at the DB area being able to cover him at all. Hopefully not. <laughs> not at all. Hopefully not. Because he, he boxes people out and everything, and I just, I just can't see it. He gives he gives my Miami Dolphins some hope. I am, I am hopeful that he will help old torn ACL Tannehill <laughs> become something better than, you know, a mid-range quarterback, but time will tell. I have another guy, and I know Arms' response to this. Uh, this guy would have been in consideration for my number one tight end overall. Other than, would have other, been. Other than draft position. Other than where he went. Yes. <laughs> right. But poor Dallas Goddard. I still think eventually he becomes what he's supposed to be, which is a freaking good tight end. But he just landed in a rough spot. Zach Ertz is one of, one of the best in the game. Dallas Goddard will still get his opportunities. Trey Burton got his opportunities, but Goddard's probably not going to be the guy that gets the targets over Zach Ertz consistently. I like him. I would still take him in the third round of rookie drafts, uh, but he's very distant behind the first two guys we mentioned there. Talent, Talent's there. Uh, you know, his, his draft spot was rough for me. His draft spot was very rough. If, if he would have went to a, a tight end needy team, no doubt in my mind right. he, was, he was the one or the two. I mean, you can make the argument all day, him or Gusecki, from a what you think they're going to do on the field standpoint because Goddard's game tape is ridiculous. Oh, yes. It looks like Rob Gronkowski over and over and over again. He's hard to tackle. He catches with one hand. His catch radius is like nine feet. It's insane. But he ends up as the number two tight end. Now, with that being said, Ertz is a move tight end. Ertz has got some speed. He's going to be outside. You know, he's going to be split out a little bit. If they do run a lot of tight end sets, you could see a, a potential – you know, a little bit of an outbreak out of Goddard this year. But you're taking a chance if, if that's who you're putting stock in. Is that, I mean, I'm actually kind of more hyped about the guys who didn't actually get drafted in a lot of fancy drafts more than him. Not to say he's not a good player because he obviously is, but as far as projected points, I don't see it happening. Oh, I understand that. Yeah. yeah, there are some guys. There are some later-round guys that I'm more intrigued uh, by, like, at the price. Uh, there's some guys I kind of like Ryan Izzo. I like Ryan yes. Izzo. I mean, Big Gronk's Izzo not going to play forever. Uh, wasn't wasn't really planning on talking about Izzo, but guys like Ryan Izzo that have more opportunity already than Dallas Goddard to possibly be a starter as soon as 2019, that's intriguing to me. I was definitely going to bring him up. I figured you would. <laughs> he's wearing a Patriots yeah. shirt to this podcast. The guy's a stud, but he's not exactly like a – he's not great in one area. He's going to be a good serviceable guy. He's not, he's not exactly Gronk. But who is? I mean, Gronk at this point is, is one of a kind in his career. How much field is Gronk seeing anyway? Uh, solid. A great 10 games a year. Solid. The <laughs> best 10 games you can get. Mark it down, huh? You know, I mean, it, whenever he's on the field, he's the best tight end. But he's also not on the field 100% of the time. and <laughs> that, that makes it a little bit difficult uh, whenever you're comparing him to a Kelsey or an Hurts. I just got a new one-liner. What's that? The best part of waking up. Put Gronk in your lineup or not. Who knows? You don't know if he's going to play. Just hope to God Gronk is not a Monday night game. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you might as well uh, 
go with Ryan Izzo if you if if it's going to be a Monday night game. Roll out the Izzo, the Izzy, the Hizzy. I mean, I'll be H honest with you that that makes a heck of a handcuff. I mean, because you should be able to get him for cheap because nobody's nobody's buying him. I've bought him in every league I could so far. Of course you have, Mister Pats fan. Yes, no doubt. Of course you have, Neil. I brought him up. It's my fault. I, I kind of like him. I think right. he's. I think he's a tight end sleeper out of this draft. Well, the, I think the kid that went to Dallas has got potential too. Yeah, Dalton Schultz is yes. is very. I mean, he he does have potential. He wasn't a high regarded prospect, but you can't overlook him being drafted in the fourth round. A fourth rounder is not a throwaway pick. Exactly. And Jason Witten's gone. Rico Gathers hasn't been able to stay healthy. Dalton Schultz could surprise. That's that's another sleeper. It's kind of it's, it's kind of hard to evaluate though, considering Dak didn't necessarily use Winton too much, did he? Nah, I mean he Winton still had fantasy relevant seasons. My question: I had him. He wasn't necessarily blowing it out of water like he used to. No, but. I mean Romo had more eyes for him than right. Dak. But I agree with Arms over here. I, to me, I don't like Dak in fantasy, and I, I don't like the weapons around Dak in fantasy. I think it's more Dak than the talent around him. Like you can hate on you hate on Des Bryant constantly. You pretty much want to stab Des Bryant in the face, but you know what? Not true. <laughs> I know. In the neck would be more. That's, that's accurate. very strong. But ultimately, I, like I think Des Bryant was, is still a really solid NFL wide receiver. But don't da- disagree. But Dak isn't producing stud receivers. Ultimately, yeah. he's he's a he's a good runner, like from a quarterback position. He's a good runner, and he's got Zeke, and. He he's not wowed me. He did not take a step forward like everybody anticipated no. him to do so. Don't get me wrong, because his rookie season, I was impressed. He was accurate. He was really good uh, short to mid range thrower, and I think he can get back there. But I don't see him as ever being elite. I wanted to dislike him at times during his rookie season, but he did shine a good bit. But like last year was very lackluster to me. Yeah, he definitely he definitely let some fantasy owners down. People were t- expecting top five, and he was more like that, you know, 10 to 15 range. So, Dak, we're sorry. <laughs> Not feeling you. Mark Andrews, we'll get to him. There's really no one left, except if you want to throw a sleeper here and there. Uh, but Mark Andrews, I, I still see him be- being drafted late third, you know, beginning of the fourth. Uh, if you have an abundance of picks and you took Hayden Hurst, you might as well take Mark Andrews too and throw him on the taxi squad. Uh, or if you believe in Mark Andrews' talent, some do. Uh, can't can't say not to pick him because after Mark Andrews, the fall off is pretty steep. I also did want to talk about Ty Conklin a good bit, though. Tyler Just Conklin. Ba- based on landing spot? Well, it's like, for example, I have him, Randolph in a bunch of leagues, and I'm actually scared of Conklin. And Rudolph. Rudolph. Uh, yes, Rudolph. Yeah. It, Rudolph, it, a lot of people really, uh, they love him, and they say, well, Kyle Rudolph's not touchdown dependent. He, no. he absolutely is touchdown dependent. All of his success, whenever he's a top ten guy, is because he's scoring a lot of touchdowns. I mean, I don't, I don't know the exact statistics and what he's actually putting up catch wise a year, but it's not a whole heck of a lot. And he really, he's not doing a ton with him unless it's in the red zone. I mean, he's not getting past anybody. He's he's right. a lumbering type of guy. He's uh he's not overly athletic. He just he w- wins the. Body control battle. I'll throw two more out. I don't. I won't talk in depth, but Chris Herndon, uh, and from Miami that went to the Jets. The Jets do not have a tight end on their roster that is worthy of starting, in my opinion. They I'm have not, Clive not, Walford. They have your boy from Clemson. Yes. 
He's not been. He's not that great though. No, and and, and Chris Herndon, you know, his season was ended by injury. If he's healthy, he he could end up being something for the I, Jets. And Ian Thomas, the opening is going to be there probably next year. Greg Olson's not going to be around forever. Uh, Ian Thomas is solid enough to to where he could maybe make an impact and surprise us another year down the road. I think Herndon may. I think he has a good chance to actually open up as a starter. Yeah, he's definitely the most natural pass catcher. Especially ever leg he he's not that great. Yeah, there's no tight end that has pass catching chops like Herndon, and that's not to say that Herndon's going to be great. It's just situation opening. You know, if you need a tight end, you didn't draft one, grab him on free agency, put him on the taxi, take a chance. Okay, what about uh, Troy Fumagalli? Well, let's just talk about them all. <laughs> I mean, well, we have like less than like ten or less people that's actually relevant. You're right, Jake Butt. Is to me is the guy who's going to eventually be the guy, but that's not a given. So what? I mean, situation, yeah. But I mean, yeah, he's got an opportunity to go, and he's going to compete with for the day one for the job. Um, they don't have anything in Butt. It's not like Butt's this you know superstar that you got to push off the field. No, I mean, Fumagalli's got every opportunity to go in there, win the job. You know, after coming out of training camp right. is now. With that being said, is he going to be an absolute stud? Probably not. You know, Case Keenum. Solid quarterback. Not a great quarterback. Let's just go ahead and call a spade a spade there. <laughs> he he now has three very good uh, receiving options, in my opinion. And I, I think the tight end, regardless, in that offense gets left out a little bit. But it wouldn't surprise me if Fumagalli ends up as, as the starting tight end at the end of the year, or by the beginning of the year. I like Butt still. I think Butt has Jason Witten-like upside. I'm not saying he's going to realize it and live it out. But I, but I, I think Butt is going to be good. Okay. I, I think there's going to be some good Butt in Denver. Okay. All right. I'll buy that. All right. IDP time. We won't touch on this much, uh, the position anyways. I feel kind of bad. Niddle loves him some IDP, and uh, maybe we'll let him have his own little mini Niddle segment. <laughs> Niddle's IDP segment. No Ten way. Ten-minute show. No way. He, he wasn't here. I don't want to hear it. That's true. That's his fault. Quiddle. Old Quiddle. Old Quiddle. All right, Bradley Chubb, uh, there's not many defensive ends in this draft that I personally am looking at in the draft. Uh, obviously, Bradley Chubb I am looking at late third round uh, or fourth round. If, if he falls to you in the fourth, grab him. Just grab him. He, he's He's got all the upside of uh, uh, Miles Garrett. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Without the risk of that low floor, Bradley Chubb is going to be good. Absolutely. He may not be all pro every year good, but he's going to be good. The The floor is safer than Miles Garrett, and the potential is just as high. So, not Bradley the, Chubb? Not he, as much risk either, I believe. Huh? Not as much risk as Garrett either. No, not as much risk at all. So, I mean, don't don't let him go undrafted. I'm <laughs> sure he won't. Like, he's not going to go undrafted. But if, you, uh, if he falls to you and one of your offensive targets are gone, or if you just simply need a defensive end, uh, get you some Chubb. And the, Become a Chubby chaser. And the thing about Chubb, Chubb, Chubb as of right Chubb, now, Chubb, they've Chubb. got him as a true defensive end. I mean, they're going to have him on the field in pretty much all situations right now. I don't see, I don't foresee him being the type of player that they move to, you know, outside linebacker like a Demarcus Ware or a Von Miller or anything like that. So, I mean, he's going to get the repetitions, and he, he's in a good situation with the, a solid defense out right. there. A uh, little bit concerning on the back end. Their their secondary starting to get a little bit older. Um, probably not a lot of uh, you know holding on to the ball too long type sacks. He's got to get off the ball and get to him. But you know ultimately he's, he does land in a good spot. And don't sleep on the defensive ends and stuff like that in fantasy. 
No, they could they could mean they could make a world of difference. Yeah. Bosa made a good difference. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah but, Bosa but, made a difference. Demarcus Lawrence made a difference. JJ yes. Watt in years past made a difference. Don't those sleep were on them. those were lineup advantages. Not elite talent anyway. You have to never sleep on those guys. Nope. It's all about your starting lineup, fellas. If if you need a top defensive end to round out your starting lineup to have that edge on the next guy, by all means, go get you a top defensive end. Don't just rest with uh don't take a stab on the fifth fifty second receiver taken when Bradley Chubb's staring in your right, face. Right. I mean, because if you're taking a stab on the fifty second receiver taken, um, odds are you probably need a little bit of help somewhere else too. Yeah. You don't want to end up with Adam Gotzis as one of your starting defensive ends in fantasy. Just don't do it. Jared Crick, I've been there. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Yeah. I feel, or like a, a situational guy, Carl Lawson in uh, Cincinnati. You <laughs> yeah. Don't, you, don't, you don't want to be stuck with like, oh, do I start Michael Johnson or uh, Carl how, Lawson? How long did we, uh, how long did some of us sit and wait for, was his name Marcus Hunt on Cincinnati? That right. Six foot six beast that they drafted as a prospect. Like, how many years did people stash him on the taxi or just hold and hope because of his size? Like, you know, don't don't sit with guys like that. Michael Johnson, like, oh, he used to be good. Michael Johnson, he's my starting defensive end. Like, well, good good luck drafting next year. I'm usually falling victim to just picking up random guys off the free agent, free agent list to fill in gaps in defensive end, and I'm trying to change that. Yeah, and and ultimately, if you're going to if you need help defensive end, you right. you have to draft him. And honestly, guys, nobody else is. No. The one one question mark. You got to be careful in an IDP league of seeing where these defensive ends go because some of them are going to get moved outside linebacker. And if they're listed as a linebacker, um, their value just falls off the right, charts. Right, definitely. I mean, not everybody's going to be uh, Joey Bosa or J.J. Watt and be able to put up the numbers to where it's like, you know what, even if they did move them out, eh, they're still going to be productive. Not everyone's going to put up linebacker numbers from that defensive end type position. And that leads me to the next guy. There's a chance his designation in MyFantasyLeague.com is linebacker. If not, I'm taking the chance on him all day because the drop-off after Marcus Davenport is uh, steep. And Marcus Davenport, for what they paid to go grab this guy, um, God, I hope they play him at defensive end. I'll draft him all day in the fourth round of every right. single draft I'm in. But if he's a linebacker, I'm not drafting him, and I'm not paying more than a couple football bucks for him. And he's in a beautiful landing spot. He, the kid will never take a double team. I mean, he's going to have one-on-one all day, all every easily. day, because you have to account for Cam Jordan. I mean, this kid's going to be – If he plays defensive end. Yeah, if, if, if he's a defensive end, he's, if he, that's where he's designated. He's going to be – he's going to have a chance free run, at, you know, against the uh, the right tackle constantly. And that – guys, that's a, that's a very nice spot to be in for a defensive end. But the State's defense need to get any better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they yes. already they've already shown much improvement. This is oh, yeah. only going to be even better for them. I said in the past episode that they should focus and continue to use first round picks on defense. Yes, because their offense doesn't need any help. A couple other players to go down the line a little bit. Uh, Rasheem Green going to Seattle. You know, as a defensive end, uh, their defense is starting to age out a little bit. You know, a few years ago we were looking at, man, this is a team that's built to make run after run after run after the Super Bowl because they were all second- and third-year players. And there's one thing you could say about Pete Carroll. I'm not a big Pete Carroll fan, but, my God, he coaches up young guys. And he, he gets the most out of them within the first two or three years in the league. And it wouldn't surprise me if Rasheem Green ended up in two or three years as one of the top ten defensive ends in the league. I know we're going to go back and forth on this, but Kamoko Ture and Taekwon Lewis 
Uh, both those guys drafted by Indy. Any Anybody drafted high by Indianapolis defensive-wise has a shot to play because their defense is by no means right. set. I mean, it should be wide open competition. You pronounce there. terrible wrong. Huh? <laughs> Their defense is terrible. Tur- would I say terrible? The only question is players like Tyquan Lewis is, what's he going to be? Yeah, what's he going to be? Because he could be a linebacker. He could. But still, I mean, you know, undrafted. These guys, these guys aren't going to get picked in your four round rookie dynasty leagues. You're oh. you're going to have a chance to bid on these. Yeah, guys. and you're going to be looking at you know even a Sam Hubbard's going to be sitting there probably outside of a four round rookie draft. I've seen Sam Hubbard drafted, but we're from Ohio as well. So yeah, that's that, probably why. That's yes. a, that's a little bit of location bias right there. It is. It is. But then uh, you you like Arden Key a lot. I know that. Now, I know you're not going to draft him. Um, I'll tell you what, I will take a very late round flyer on Arden Key because kind of in the same thing as uh, as Marcus Davenport. If you're going opposite of probably the best pass rusher in the game and Khalil Mack, once again, you're going to be one-on-one constantly. And if Arden Key can, you know, turn that athleticism that he has into, you know, on-field production, Arden Key's going to be an absolute monster as well. He's definitely a high upside prospect. Yeah, I mean, and for years we've been waiting on Mario Edwards to do something. He keeps breaking his neck. And Jihad Ward. And G- Nothing. Yeah, definitely. But Ward's only been, I think, for a year, and I want to say he was hurt. I mean, I, I think he was. But, I mean, if you don't seize the opportunity quickly – Guess what? Teams go out and they draft Arden Key. NFL stands for not for long if you're injured. Absolutely. Is there any defensive ends, Neil, besides these guys that uh, you're looking at or that you watched and and have a high opinion of? Besides the obvious, I'm not. I'm not really actually high on the class this year. That's all. Next year is the big hype for me, but not currently this year. I'll, I'll tell you a guy who kind of can tween and probably never come off the field, and that's uh, Deshaun Hand out of Alabama. Deshaun Hand. I agree. He, he's. Uh, now, this is high praise, and I don't want to get this misconstrued. He's a very Justin Tuck-like player because Deshaun Hand can play defensive tackle or defensive end, and he's going to be very competitive at, at both spots. So there's no doubt in my mind that if he earns a starting position, he's not coming off the field at all. Whether he kicks inside to bring you know a little bit more athletic pass rusher on the, on the edge during uh, obvious passing situations, I think once he seizes the opportunity, he's actually going to be someone who – not we don't see this a lot. More high t- high tackle for a defensive lineman. It does happen sometimes. So yeah, that's another name to keep an eye out for. Like Neil said, I'm kind of with Neil. I'm not the biggest on this draft class at defensive end, which is going to trans transition really well over to defensive tackle because uh, there's really only one guy I'm looking at. Of course, it's Vita Vey. But let me tell you something. I haven't drafted him in any league, and he's not on my top 75 IDP rankings. One of those reasons is despite his athletic ability, his high draft pedigree, and the fact that he's going to be an absolute stud at defensive tackle, he is. He's going to be a stud. But his comparison is to Haloti Nada, who has also been a stud, who is also tweener, defensive end, defensive tackle. Great, but is Haloti Nada on any of your fantasy teams? No. That's why Vita Vey won't be on mine. But ultimately – Vita Vey, I believe, will be a really, really good, quite possibly work his way to an all-pro level defensive tackle. I agree. The problem is he's going to be a better football player than he is a fantasy player, even in IDP formats. Well, and fantasy is defensive end. Defensive end, defensive end. Do I have a defensive tackle on my team? Yes. So you can just erase everything I said. Not really. I like David Irving in Dallas. He was free, so I got him, but... 
But I'm not spending a draft pick on V to V. Just just can't do it. If you do, do it late. Do you guys have anyone else at defensive tackle? Worth drafting, worth considering, worth a waiver wire pickup at all. I always talk about the interior lineman, the interior defensive line. Yeah. Um, Reese Hurst. I like Mo Hurst. I was really hoping Miami would grab him. They have a need there as well. Uh, are you, you going to spend a pick on him, Neil? No, why not spend a pick? <laughs> he is worth watching, though. I, I, I've i got a, a nose tackle. Guess where he's playing? Probably Oakland. Oakland. <laughs> P.J. Hall, you know, one of our uh, Damon's favorites at Draft Diamonds. Oh, yeah? I mean, the guy is a tackle-for-loss monster. And if he can translate that to the NFL, it's very difficult to, under- to know whether he's going to. He played at Sam Houston State. You know, it touches my heart that you listen to the episodes where it's just me in an interview. I, I blank, black you out, and I just listen to the other Oh, guy. okay, okay. And whenever you, whenever you ask a question, I'm like, I wonder what that question was. Oh, well, that guy's got to get in, but <laughs> – but, P.J. Hall, um, very productive. Got a lot of tackles in the backfield. Very high motor. No quit in him. You know, not a lot of questions as far as what he did at Sam Houston State. The problem is, how does it translate to the next level? Here's here's the thing with with P.J. Hall. You can wait until the third week of the season and probably pick him up for a couple fantasy football dollars. I mean, very realistic. Just just be be one of those guys to keep an eye on. So. And even if, you know, after week three, if he's got four tackles a game, three weeks in a row, there, take a stab at him. If he has none, well, you didn't lose anything, right? So, anyhow, let's on, take, on to linebackers? Yeah, bread and butter, baby. Let's take a look at inside linebackers. And uh, there, there's more to talk about for sure. But the first one drafted, true inside linebacker, Leighton Vander Esch. Probably going to be in my opinion, a better football player and a big-time playmaker, but I'm not exactly sure he's going to rack up tackles for your fantasy team. So to me, he is a mid-to-late third-round pick in uh, Rookie Dynasty He kind of scares me just because of a lack of actual, like... A defined path yeah, of playing? Exactly. I don't know. Just no, like, big game experience, I would say. I mean... Well, and you've also... The problem... My only issue with Leighton Vander Esch is... Do you want to handcuff a linebacker? Because he's Sean Lee's handcuff is what he is. And, you know, I think Jalen Smith's going to come out of his own this year, and he's going to be a stud. And can they produce two stud linebackers? Absolutely. Well, they just need one to stay healthy. He'll definitely have playing time because Anthony Hitchens is gone. But is it it going to be enough playing time to justify drafting him as one of your starting linebackers? I think so, considering obviously none of them can stay healthy. That is true. I will say it's I, still a it's still a risk. It wouldn't them. surprise oh, yeah. me if he's not cut. It would, wouldn't surprise me if he starts ten games this year. No. Like if I'm going to take a, a risk on somebody who doesn't have a starting job today at inside linebacker, it's like Vanish. because I, I believe you know Roquan Smith's got a starting linebacker job. Tremaine Edmonds got a starting linebacker job, no doubt about it. Yeah, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, I see it being much better. But Leighton Leighton Vanderish is he's very Sean Lee like. You know, a smart guy that, I mean, guys, I'm not saying he's going to be Sean Lee, but he's not a far cry from what he is athletically and, and football smarts-wise. Um, let's just hope they did that and get his bell rang uh, ring quite as often as Sean Lee and doesn't, you know, continuously have to be Dallas taken could, off the field. Dallas could, if Dallas drafted this guy because they think he's going to stay healthy for 10 years and do nothing else but stay healthy, great pick, Dallas. <laughs> great pick. You finally drafted somebody healthy. Uh, that eats their Wheaties and stays on the field for you. So hopefully that that is the case. Rashawn Evans, actually my number one inside, true inside linebacker, not my number one linebacker, 
because technically uh, another guy's listed at outside, even though I think he's going to play I think he, yeah. more inside. But true inside, Rashawn Evans, He in the days since the draft has passed, this guy is growing on me in a big way. And uh, I think he is well worth a late second-round pick in your rookie drafts, and I think he's going to be an absolute tackle machine. I think he's pretty much the closest thing to a sure thing as far as the inside linebackers go. Uh, I, I'll disagree, but I think Rashawn Evans is going to be fine. Um, I, I always worry about the productivity of uh, Alabama linebackers. doesn't seem like they all have character issues, too. Like every single one of them oh, does, yeah. does something stupid. Yeah, he's going to stab a kitten here, <laughs> yeah. here pretty soon. He'll probably stab stab a kitten, and uh, you know, smack somebody's kid and take their bicycle. It's just gonna happen. I watched way too much Bama football. I'm not I'm not really sure why, but he always really really impressed me. Uh, it was uh, watching national championship game. It was just like watching an NFL game with linebacker. Yeah, I mean, Rashawn Evans. He's very. Uh, I mean. Reggie Raglan, like I mean, it just Reuben Foster, like that type of player that he's always there, but he, athletically he's not jumping off the page to you. He's not Reuben Foster. Yeah, uh, Reuben Foster is definitely right. a better athlete. But my my point is, he's not jumping off the page athletically. I don't think he's going to you know chase any any running backs down. But he is going to be at the right place at the right time quite often. Very uh, Preston Brown esque, if you will. You know, just high football IQ, durable, big hitter. You know, someone who. I don't think we also got to worry about Rashawn Evans uh, getting a pick six and taking to the house either. No. But he in the running game, he's going to be just, you know, he, he's going to be productive. If if he's got a starting, you know, definite starting job this year, 85 tackles, definitely not out of the realm possibility. Definitely a size difference, but I comp him to Zach Thomas. I mean, he's this guy just loves the game. He loves to get his nose up there in it, uh, and I think he's going to be very you Zach Thomas. You just wanted to mention Zach Thomas is all it was. Well, I guarantee that's what it was. <laughs> it came to me, Zach Thomas, in the current player. I mean, you know, I don't sit around and think about nothing but Dolphins players all day. I've uh, I've got a wife. I bet you, you know? lay in bed and stare at a picture of Zach Thomas with his giant neck roll. It's actually Chris Chambers. It's actually Chris right. Chambers. He's just like petting it. You're like, Zach. Not a duper fan, huh? We miss well, you. Well, out of this love fest and on to the next guy, Fred Warner was drafted as the third inside linebacker. I won't touch on him too much. Because he is a he's a dart throw in fantasy. I think he's a good one because of the Alabama you know linebacker that we were talking about a minute ago that stabs kittens and puppies. Uh, but Fred Warner has a chance to slot in right away and play some important snaps for San Francisco. But the next guy on the list is my guy. This this is a guy I'm targeting in every single draft. Josie Jewell out of Iowa, football player, true hundred percent loves the game, football player. He's going to rack up tackles. He's going to be a starting linebacker by midseason for your fantasy team. So draft him while you can because he's he's not going to last. You know, you're not going to get him from somebody for a third or fourth round pick once we're halfway through the season. The biggest problem with Josie Joy is he's probably a two down linebacker. I don't I don't, I don't see don't that. So. He's he he's not a fast guy. He reminded me of a lot of Pat Anger. Okay, I'll buy that. But Anger, I feel like, was a little bit more of an athlete than Josie Jewell. Josie Jewell's a little bit slow. I think he ran like a four seven eight. Like, that's a big question mark whenever you're chasing down some pretty dang shifty running backs in this year's, or this current NFL that we're in. And it's it's a pass-first game. You know, the question is, if, he, if he's coming off the field in, in passing situations, obvious passing situations, are there times that he's going to be watching someone else play? Even with a starting role, you know? I think Denver will use those outside linebackers more 
in the passing game. I think Josie Jewell will still be asked to be that guy that plugs up the middle and causes confusion. They're, they're going to be on the field a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Denver will definitely be on the field a lot. Well, no, you never know. It could be the uh, the Case Keenum and Royce Freeman show in 2018. Denver could end up being like the Eagles, rotating guys in and out. Which Jewel was pretty much the last guy on my list that I'm targeting, targeting. Uh, Neil, you got anybody on this list of linebackers drafted that you think could become something more than? Well, it's another Homer guy, but I'm kind of high on Christian Sam also. Of course you are. So, now you're you're talking about people who are just solely inside linebackers, right? Right now, yeah. Yes. Okay, okay. True inside linebackers is probably. That can all change in two weeks. Because I think there are two, two what will be true inside linebackers that are we'll be talking about here in a second. People that are going to slide, slide into the inside and never look back and probably be our top two overall production linebackers in this this year's rookie class. Well, since we're playing Homer tonight, I will throw out that I really like Quentin Poling out of Ohio. Yes, he went to the Dolphins, but the reason I like him is because there is opportunity there. Uh, Raekwon McMillan is slotted to be the guy in the middle, but he's coming off an injury. I think they drafted this guy as possible insurance. I think he could become, you know, a player somewhere down the line. Obviously, this year it's going to be special teams, so I'm not telling you to draft him. I'm just speaking as a fan. I like I like Quentin Poling. He's right here out of Athens, Ohio, and uh, to get drafted at all coming out of a school like Ohio, you got to be pretty good. I think he's going to be a good one eventually. I Roquan don't, don't disagree. Roquan. <laughs> Outside linebacker time, I think Roquan. We, I think we all think Roquan's going to play in the middle, uh, but he was drafted, designated as an outside linebacker. Uh, Rashawn Evans, I love him. I don't love him as much as Roquan Smith, though. Roquan Smith, I've said it before. There's no reason for me to believe that Roquan Smith isn't going to be a top ten, maybe even a top five linebacker this year. Overall, I'm not talking rookies. I'm talking overall. There. One hundred percent believe he's going to break a hundred hundred tackles this year. I, I I don't disagree at all. I mean, t- someone please tell me the weak spot in his game. I don't see any, I don't see any. He's he's scary to watch. I mean, you've got Rashawn Evans, who was arguably the best linebacker in football, watching the national championship game because we go back to it. It's one freshest in the memory, and Roquan Smith made him look bad. I yes. mean, shutting down a ridiculously productive Alabama running game. You know, Bo Scarborough looked like nothing whenever whenever it came to Roquan right. Smith. Not to mention Roquan is the best the best cover linebacker out of this draft. Yeah, oh, he's he's a three He's, to, he's everything. He's the whole 9 yards. Yeah, he he's it, it, it I don't want to say he's a flawless pro- prospect cuz there's no such thing. But he's about 97% of a flawless prospect. I mean, there's I I don't have any character question marks for him. Um <laughs> He's going into a great spot to where he's probably going to slide right in and start. He's already he, – while he walks in day one, he's the most athletically gifted talent, or linebacker on that entire team. He's probably going to be the hardest hitter. There's no doubt in the world that Roquan Smith is going to be the best cover linebacker on that team. Um, and, by the way, ridiculously smart guy. I mean, just watch any Georgia defensive play. So you're saying he's an anti-Brian Cushing. Yes. <laughs> Just just watch any uh, Georgia defensive play last year. You will see the back of his jersey. And, by the way, the camera follows the ball. So you're going to see Roquan Smith right near the ball. He's either getting the tackle, in on the tackle, or the first guy there standing up to grab the guy who just got the tackle. Yep. He's always near the ball. 
That's this. This is your uh, this is your biggest IDP target. This is the only individual defensive player uh, that you should be looking at in round one of any draft. And I'm not saying grab him at pick eight, nine, ten, but you you can grab him anywhere from twelve if you're in a sixteen teamer from twelve to sixteen, and you don't have to apologize to anybody. How soon do we see him go? I think he went fifteenth or sixteenth. Yeah, Which I think I it was, was pretty late. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and too. That's, that's what I thought. I thought that right. was a little bit late for him because if I if I had picked twelve. I'm taking Roquan Smith. I probably am too. I've been if happy. He, if he falls to me, yeah, absolutely. Especially uh, if I had any kind of a hole on, on the, my linebacking core at all. I mean, but, yeah, draft him with no apologies. If, if you have a team that, you know, or a league, excuse me, it's heavy in uh, in points for tackles, I mean, guys, he's a, it's better to take a shot on him than a wide receiver that ain't going to play for three years. He's going to rack up to 100-plus easily. Including the assists and everything. I mean, to me, and once again, very high praise, but he's what Chicago has been missing since Urlacher retired. Yes, he is. They definitely have not had that spot. So, so draft him. Draft him now. Who's next? I like the way the linebackers fell in this draft because this is how I, this is how we thought the running backs were going to fall, how we thought the wide receivers were going to fall. Of course, we knew it never falls perfectly, but the first three linebackers – off the board, outside linebackers anyways, and inside, to be honest. They they fell where I thought they would. Maybe not the team, but the round, the draft capital. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds went in the first. I think we all thought he would go in the first, and he did. I think the Bills were elated uh, to get Tremaine Edmonds. And should have been. And should have been. Now, Tremaine Edmonds, to me, like I think the talent level is closer to Roquan Smith than the fantasy football level is. I'm not targeting Tremaine Edmonds. If he falls to me in the third, I'm going to go ahead and grab him because I think he's going to be a good player and I think he's going to be a solid fantasy asset. Uh, but he's, I'm not targeting him, so to speak, because he's not hes not a safe bet for your fantasy team. He's a, he's a, uh, a solid dart throw, a calculated dart throw, but I, I wouldn't go targeting him in draft. I would absolutely take him in the second half of the second round. Even mid second round, I spent some dollars on him. I think, which I thought was well worth it. If oh, I yeah. if, if I would have had a second rounder, there's no doubt in my mind. Trade, trade, uh, yeah, Tremaine Edmonds would be on my team right now. I watched a lot of Tremaine Edmonds too, being an ACC guy. I was very impressed with him. So, I mean, it, the thing about it is he can he can rush the pass. He's I mean he's fast. He's a four five four forty guy playing. You know, if we go back ten years in the NFL. There was like three of these playing linebacker, right? The rest of them were safeties and defensive backs uh, or quarterbacks. But he's running a 4-5-4. Four. He's going to be able to track down pretty much any running back in the league. He's always going to have notes for the ball. And, by the way, he steps into the role that Preston Brown left vacant. What are Preston Brown today? Preston Brown. <laughs> eight, oh, I agree. Eight. Arms is a Preston lover. <laughs> Set your watch by Preston Brown making a top-10 linebacker finish. I mean, he he's 8-9 eight or, eight, or 10 every year. And Tremaine Edmonds is a more athletic ver- – he's not even a version of him. He's just a, a much better athlete. I don't know if he has the you know the football smarts that Preston Brown does, but I don't know if there's a whole lot of people that do. But Edmonds is going to be an absolute stud. I do like him, but I'm not – like I said, he, he's not a, not a fantasy target. Like I said, if he drops to the third, I'm probably going to spend a third on him because he's well worth it. I just – when you go from Roquan to Tremaine Edmonds – the consensus is first round, third round. That's a pretty big gap. Uh, Arms is not unjustified spending a late second on him, but he's just not one of my guys. One of my guys I do have, though, that I'm spending a late fourth on, and I've been landing him in a late fourth every single draft I'm in, Darius Leonard. 
Darius Leonard has a great opportunity, great landing spot. Indianapolis drafted him with a plan in mind. Fourth pick in round two. This guy was just a handful of picks from being a first-rounder. Yeah. He's going to play. They spent a lot of picks on defense. They I, needed to. Yes, they did. It's a lot of picks. I also think that they he's got a chance to kick inside. Oh, okay. I, I absolutely th- I think he will kick inside. I mean, and once again, kind of the, the same thing. They kept trying to patchwork their linebacking core in literally since Gary freaking Brackett. I mean, they've had nobody, but now they, they spend the draft capital on, yeah, small school, you know, South Carolina State. But Derek Slender, you know, passed the flying colors. I want to say he had, like, a ridiculous amount of sacks last year, something like 17 sacks. You know, yes, it's a smaller conference and everything, but he was unblockable. And, you know, if you're getting to the quarterback with that kind of consistency, and, you know, he definitely put up plenty of tackles. I mean, the guy's an absolute stud, and, you know – if you took him over Tremaine Edmonds, if, if he ends up being the starting inside linebacker for the Colts, I think it's a coin flip. I Yo, mean, oh, yeah, me I, too. But for either one of them, if you took either one of them in the, the middle of the second or you know even in the late second, I think you've got a good linebacker who's going to be very very productive for you for years to come. I agree 100%. And after Darius Leonard, I'm not big on Harold Landry. I don't think he's a fantasy prospect. Um, not big on any of the rest of these guys, to be honest, until we get to Oren Burks. I think Oren Burks is a solid fourth-round pick. Uh, the talent is there. Uh, don't exactly like his landing spot because Green Bay is kind of set at linebacker, especially in the middle. Uh, but I like Oren Burks. I like Malik Jefferson as a dart throw uh, because the Bengals never quite have the same guys on the field at linebacker. It seems like it. I mean, they're kind of in that same position uh, as Dallas. You never know who's going to start five to six but games. They did sign Preston Brown this offseason. They, they <laughs> did, and that is now their safest bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vontez Perfect is bound to miss some games. Uh, At least four. Yeah, and, and Malik Jefferson's going to get a little bit of opportunity to, to prove his talent. He's never lived up to his talent. Uh, but he's definitely going to get at least a three to four game, uh, you know, audition at some point in the season. And absolute uh, speed demon ran four five two. Uh, he productive, not overwhelmingly productive at Texas, but you know, it's also a very high flying. Not a lot of running down in the uh, the Big Twelve anymore. It's mostly passing. So you got to give a little bit of leeway there. I don't think he's necessarily a liability in, in coverage, but everything in, in the Big 12 is going downfield. You know, it's it's wide receivers, not a lot of anything across the middle. I mean, I, I like his prospects. If he gets a chance to crack starting lineup, say, say they cut ties with Burfecht, and uh, it's it's him and Preston Brown starting, I could absolutely see him having a productive year one or two. Oh, I definitely think they took him because they, they plan on – Probably not having perfect after another year or two. There's got to be a backup plan at some point. And he's uh, one targeting penalty away from sitting a season. Yes. And uh, I'll, I'll mention my last guy. You can mention whoever you want after this. Uh, but Shaquem Griffin is not just a feel good story, in my opinion. I think Shaquem Griffin, in a year or two, is going to be possibly a solid fantasy asset. This guy's a playmaker. He's got sideline to sideline speed. He can get after the quarterback, and I think he's also going to turn into somebody who puts up more tackles than we all think he's going to put up. I like Shaquem Griffin. Uh, I've not seen him get drafted yet. Uh, I'm throwing football dollars on him everywhere I can and stashing him on my taxi squad. There's sense of foreign reports he's already starting to shine in the workouts. Shocker. He's going to be a more, to me, probably more of a pass rush specialist. I don't think he's going to be a, a big tackle guy at all at any point in his career. That's not based on the fact that he has one hand. It's based on this position. He's, I mean, the guy. He has one hand? 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I just thought it was a feel-good story because of his brother in Seattle. That too. That too. Just kidding. I just and you know, he, he he's a football player. Who cares if he's got no hands? Yeah, I mean he he's an, he can he can do it all. And I, there's no doubt in my mind if Shaquem Griffin was born with two hands, he would probably have been the number one or two linebacker in this year's draft class going in the high first round. I don't think they. Yeah, the feel good story just happens to be a bonus to this because I think they actually got a good pick in him so far. They did absolutely, absolutely, and we called it. By the way, you called. I called it, and I like him. I'm picking him up for football dollars in every league I'm in. Like I said, not based on a feel good story, but based on the speed, the athleticism, and the talent. And you know what? A guy that has heart like that, you you got to take a chance on because he, he's going to make some things happen on the field. So you're not a big uh, Raquan McMillan fan? No, I, not really. I so mean, do, do you think Jerome Baker has an opportunity to? to I think he does. I, I think he he's a lot like uh, Shaquem Griffin. Maybe not the pass rush specialist, but the sideline to sideline speed and the just the pure athletic ability. I like Jerome Baker a lot. But I'm again, he's a guy that I've picked up in a couple leagues for a couple football dollars. Not spending a pick on him, uh, but I love Ohio State guys, and and that's just. Yeah, Miami drafts them. Miami I can't believe how many Ohio State linebackers got drafted this year. Yeah, this is mind blowing to me. And I, like to me, Sam Hubbard's always been defensive end. But you know, they've kind of got him. He might be defensive end. He might be a linebacker. I mean, it's. Um, I, I think Baker's going to be okay. But I'm with you. I don't think I'm going to spend any draft capital on him. I think no. that that's probably one of the cutoff points to where I, I'd say, well, maybe I do take a chance on the 52nd wide receiver because I think I can get this guy for a buck or two. Right, and you can. I mean, I, I've actually struck out on him. I think you got to spend at least two to three. I've been putting a dollar on him everywhere, right. and I've whiffed every single time. Now I'm kicking yeah. myself. But I've seen that, but I've also been bidding on the Moore kid out of South Carolina that went undrafted and got signed. He got signed by the Colts. He has a good chance of actually getting a spot there. Absolutely. You could pretty much pick up any defensive rookie on the Colts that you want, and you've got a shot of him being relevant. He had, upwards, he had a yeah. lot of tackles a year, so – on to DBs, Minka Fitzpatrick absolutely leads the way. I'm not sure if that translates to fantasy relevance. I mean, I think I think he will be fantasy relevant, but I'm not sure that he'll be your top tackle guy out of this class. I, I but he's I am, also playing with arguably the best safety. Yeah, you know, someone right in the uh, no doubt top three safety, and safety's not not like linebacker. You don't typically have two safeties that finish in the top ten of you know overall tackles. Right. Except unless you're the Bills. <laughs> I think I think it is debatable though, fantasy wise, who your best safety is between Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick. Fantasy wise. I think to me the best playmaker is Minka Fitzpatrick. The best tackler might be Derwin James. I trust Derwin James. Yeah. Well, Derwin James is gonna knock a lot of balls loose. I mean if if you have a lot of uh a lot of for high points for forced fumbles. Derwin James is your man. He passes defense is a thing too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to knock a knock a lot of heads. I've seen these guys going early third in most drafts that I see. Uh, you can't go wrong either way. Whether you take Minka, whether you take Derwin James, whether it's like the last pick in the second or the first couple picks in the third, uh, that's a solid place to land either one of those. Guys. I wanted to take Derwin late second. I think he's worth it, really. Yeah, safeties are again just even more important than top defensive ends sometimes is safeties. You win your you win your leagues in IDP leagues by having solid defensive ends, solid safeties, a good linebacking core, 
And there's enough offensive talent in the league and enough offensive, uh, you know, stat guys that, that you can fill that out. But if you don't have a good defense, you might as well forget it. And it takes years to learn that. So, I mean, it, I've seen people make it two two rounds in the playoffs with two third down backs and a handful of number two receivers. Right. Yeah, because they have stud linebackers, yeah. stud safeties, and at least one stud defensive like, end. It's like when you have a healthy Bob Sanders back in the day or anybody of Bob that nature. Bob Sanders. When he is healthy, like if you have those guys that got you in the if you you'd be happy to have a, a safety in the teens. That's I mean that's all you're gonna actually ever hope for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, don't get me wrong, you can play this the opposite way. You can go heavy offense and then just meticulously grab guys that finish between ten and twenty at those other positions, but your safest bet is loading up on defense. Yeah, and back to the Minka thing, we, I've said it a dozen times. It, like if you broke down the last what, ten years, I think the top five safeties on a per season basis are probably all Alabama guys. I mean, they're going to be up there at least five of the top ten, no doubt. It's insane. I think as far as uh, your fourth-rounders go, possible fourth-round rookie picks, not guys drafted in the fourth in the real draft, but uh, Terrell Edmonds and Jesse Bates, both worth a stab in the fourth. I like both of those guys. I think both those guys will be starting safeties on fantasy teams this year. Edmonds definitely will be. Yeah, and I think that's where it ends. My only question about Edmonds is kind of the same thing as you got with Minka. I mean, Sean Davis is a stud. He is, and and Morgan Burnett, I believe, is there now. And so, I mean, is Edmund going to kind of slot in as the nickelback? I mean, that's one of the questions you have. I mean, he's he's definitely a heck of an athlete. There's no doubt about that, but – it's his first year. We, we've seen this before to where we've had very good safeties, you know, high-profile guys that kind of move into a, a situational-type role. But this is today's NFL, and there's a lot of nickel ran, you know, a lot of uh, five defensive back sets out on the field. It, it just makes me worry that he's going to um, have too much production from the other safety spot. Dart throws. I like Justin Reed out of Stanford that went to Houston. I think there's an opportunity there to eventually be fantasy-relevant. Uh, Ronnie Harrison, I think Troy Apke uh, from Penn State is a dart throw. Uh, Ronnie Harrison is a little more than a dart throw to me. I think he's going to be a solid player. Jordan Whitehead out of Pittsburgh went to the Bucks, Solid dart throw there. And uh, my last one, I think Trey Flowers, uh, depending on what happens with the Seattle safety situation, could be a dart throw as well. I think, I think Ronnie Harrison's probably already the best safety on the Jaguars. I mean, Barry Church is, you know, he's he's good, but I think uh, Ronnie Harrison probably going to end up taking one of those two safety roles and, and running away with it. Well, they're going to have enough cornerbacks on the field to bridge that gap, I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but who, who are they going to pick on that? Who are you going to throw at, A.J. Boye or Jalen Ramsey? No and no. Exactly. But you know, probably going to throw on Ronnie. You're going to throw on Ronnie, and you're going to have a lot of tackles, a lot of pass defenses, and several interceptions. I mean, I like Ronnie Harrison. It wouldn't surprise me if at the end of the season we're looking at Ronnie Harrison and saying, man, I can't believe I picked him up either in the end of the fourth or picked him up for a few football dollars because he finishes a top 15 safety. No cornerbacks to speak of. Denzel Ward, I guess, if you want to draft him, go ahead. But I'm not doing it. I don't have corners on my team if I absolutely can avoid it. The Tredavious White effect. Yeah, Tredavious White, you, he's not going to be a reliable fantasy corner year in, year out. But Denzel Ward could, is the Tredavious White effect. Could right? have one If year. they want to try to pick on him, if you're going to ever have Denzel Ward on your team, now's the time to buy and try to get rid of him for a safety halfway through the season. Because eventually, if he is a lockdown corner, 
Eventually, they're going to stop throwing to him. But in the meantime, he's going to have a lot of tackles, a lot of pass defenses, and some interceptions. And whenever those numbers start boosting, for fantasy purposes, it's great. Until the NFL starts catching up with, wait a second, maybe we shouldn't throw at this stud. Maybe we should start throwing to the other side of the field. In which case, get your value out of him while you can. To be fair, if he's actually getting thrown out a lot, getting a lot of tackles, he won't be seeing the field. So... That's how most quarterbacks are. They're actually getting tackles. They're not, they're not doing their yeah, jobs. True, true, true. Very true. So there you have it, folks. Your tight ends, your IDP players of relevance. We'll have Nit back on the next op- episode, I assume. We appreciate Neil joining us tonight. And uh, Arms, I appreciate you joining me tonight and actually sounding excited about stuff. I'm always excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always pretty excited about stuff. Um, Yeah, Dude, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I took a pre-workout like an hour and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and, and I think next episode, it's time to bring back a little bit of uh, debauchery. We'll figure out some kind of a top five list to work on. We need a little bit of that BRFS element back now that draft season is over. And it's uh it's time to only be seventy five percent serious and twenty five percent jackass. I, I like being twenty five percent jackass. It's fun. Oh yeah, you can hear it in his voice. He loves it. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you guys next time. Mark out. Good night. Later. This concludes another episode of the Back Row Fantasy Show. Thanks for listening, and be sure to give us a review. <laughs>